This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. We have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way. And that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the amazing Danielle Orsino. And our guest today is PC Nottingham. Hey, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about what we're drinking. It's very important. I have my Star Wars cup. Um, I am drinking. um, So I've decided a name for this earlier today, which is it's um, Starbucks or Tazo chai tea latte mix. and amaretto baileys and cold brew and milk so i am calling it instead of the dirty chai the naughty chai because yeah it's super excited about this very nice yes it's like fancy fancy it's very very yummy and it's i wish it was much more fancy than it sounds it's just like me in my kitchen like a a science experiment like (laughs) you have beakers going and everything else yeah, it's mainly the espresso <laughs> Bailey's like, okay, what can I put on top of this so I can pretend it's a real drink? Just kidding. Um, Danielle, what are you drinking? Well, I guess great minds think alike because I have a chai latte, just plain, but at least we we're both chying it up. Yes, I like the chai and I up. like the queen cup. That's yeah. Nice. Of course. Nice. Yes, I know. And this year a t-shirt, whatever. And yes, you see, it's all working today. I do. I noticed that. Okay, PC, what are you drinking? So in honor of Four Horsemen, I have my horse beer, a.k.a. Rolling Rock. Woo! There's a horse on. I love it. Okay. So for anybody out there who may not know you, what do you write? Mostly science fiction for now. My debut space opera just released a few months ago, based on, depending on when you're listening to this, Mummified Moon, available from Four Horsemen Publications. Very cool. Very cool. So we like to Scooby-Doo this um, and go back to when did you decide you wanted to write or how did your writing journey begin? Take us back in time, shall we? (laughs) Um, If you can unearth my parents' uh, Windows giant computer from back in the 90s, um, there's probably some Microsoft Word files of my very early attempts. Um, Every couple of years I tried writing something. Uh, They went from like dumb short stories to slightly less dumb uh, fan fiction. And then when I was in high school, I had this great English teacher who was very big into uh, just keep writing. Your creative assignments can be as long as they need to be. Um, And I turned one in and then I realized I wanted to just keep going. Uh, So it was supposed to be like a one page assignment turned into a seven page one and then it turned into a novel. Um, and I thought I was being like super edgy, like the bad guy was the main character and he had no redeemable qualities and it wasn't a very interesting story. Um, and then post pandemic or no, sorry, pre pandemic, a buddy of mine made up his own Dungeons and Dragons, uh, not rip off, but like a spinoff in the spirit of Dungeons and Dragons. And we made these characters and we played like two games. It was really fun. But then, like, we never were able to keep going with it. And that really made me mad because I liked the character I made. Um, so I made a story around him. 
And I got its novel length. I was really proud of it. I workshopped it. And then I found an editor who was willing to do sample edits for free. And I sent him my prologue. And he sent me this very nice email about how awful it was and how I needed it. Um, and, uh, this is not a fun journey. Why did we go on this journey? I don't know. We, we went left. We went left. It has a happy ending. It has, um, I was like, where are we going? I feel like we just hit a haunted forest or something and not the cool kind. I okay. um, think it's better. I, um, I believe you. We're holding on. Go ahead. So this guy, I mean, he very graciously pointed out all I was making every mistake. It was, I mean, I started with a prologue for one, which is, you know, tougher for a debut author to do. My characters, like half their dialogue was exclamation points when you first meet them. Um, lots of telling, very little showing, uh, big fat info dumps. Um, and then he directed me to the Brandon Sanderson's old YouTube channel. Um, and that led me to Writing Excuses podcast. Uh, sorry, Melinda, I'd uh, talk, mention another podcast. Oh, no, no, yeah. please, community. Um, we share. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that led me there. And then they were very big on like, you need to find other new writers who are at your level. So I did. I went online. I went through NaNoWriMo. I went through Scribeophile and I found... Um, a com great community of other writers who want to write fantasy and sci-fi. Um, and they have just been so amazing and awesome. And we've together just honed our crafts. Um, and then after learning everything I did, I wrote another novel during the uh, quarantine and I knew it was just going to be a learning experience. Um, so when I put it aside, I knew like I wasn't going to try anything with it. Then for a NaNoWriMo, I tried writing a middle grade novel and I was so proud of it. I thought it was just going to be the next big thing. Uh, queried it to death. Nothing. And then I wrote Mummified Moon is just like an emotional escape from the hell of querying. Um, <laughs> and I knew it wasn't going to be like my main my main thing. I knew like this middle grade thing was going to be where I made my mark. Um, and then... I guess because I had less pressure on myself writing it, it was just better. Um, and then before Elon Musk, Elon Musk all over Twitter, um, there was one pitching contest where I just did a tweet pitch for a mummified moon and someone from four horsemen liked it. And then the rest is history. So it does have a happy ending. Well, I, Yay. that was, that was that was a story in and of itself. That journey, didn't you feel like Danielle? Like we went. Yes, through? I felt like we went near. Yeah, that's why yeah. you're a storyteller. You see, it all comes around. Yeah. Three yeah. act structure, an arc, mm. and it's true. It was a like a pit mat, right? That um, you were on. Yeah, it was one of those like yeah pit Twitter pitch contests. Yeah, which are still fantastic. Elon, stop fucking with Twitter. Um, so I think that's fantastic. When so you're going through this journey, and what what made you at the core of it go? I'm going to try to write a book and get it published. Like what? Like I I know you you talked a little bit about this, but you know writing a book and writing stories and doing all that there's a big jump because it's not an easy task to get published or be in the publishing world. So what caused you to go? I'm going to be a young adult, uh, you know, you middle grade author in the world because that was the first superhero cape. I feel like you kind of threw on. So yeah, it was one of those things. Like I just had this idea, and it is a good story. I I understand now from like marketing reasons why it's kind of a hard sell. Um, but 
I just knew that like there was something there. Um, and I just did some reflection after the umpteenth queer rejection. Like I want to keep trying, even though this is really frustrating. Um, cause I did consider just throwing in the towel and just letting it be the hobby, but I, probably sounds cheesy but the other authors listening to this know like i felt like i owed it to the characters as well as the characters i hadn't even thought up yet to just try and get them out there even if it took 20 30 more years well that would be that's a journey that's like an odyssey type journey that's how it felt (laughs) querying i did not querying does feel like that yeah well you know it's i i think that's really interesting and um, why didn't you decide to go the self-publishing route? Because some authors get to that point. They've been on the show. We've talked to them that went sort of the querying route like you did and then went, fuck it. I'm going to self-publish. I'm going to do this myself. Uh, mostly money. Um, the Just the, because I did consider it, but um, one of the people in uh, my writing group is self-published um early one of them what others are doing it now um but when she started talking about the cost and when i doing research there's so many things i knew i could never also get good at um i could never also get good enough at my own cover i could never also get good enough at social media um the like the little things you don't think about like the formatting the legal stuff i knew i could get really good at telling a story but i because i was passionate about it the other things I have to pay people for and with my job and my family, it just felt like too much of a monetary gamble that wouldn't be fair to them. If I had a really high paying job or I didn't have a spouse and children to consider, I may have gone for it. Um, but that was my, like the economics and the finance of it. Like I just, I couldn't do it all myself. So I knew that, part of being a self-publisher would mean that you would have to like basically run a small business and that Mm -hmm. just sucked all possible joy out of it for me. Um, That's a good point. No, it makes sense. So now that you, um, so we know about four horsemen. We talked about it on this podcast, (laughs) you know, um, but four horsemen to series-based publishing. So now that you're going into your further books from book one, that was just a like, well, I'm going to write this. and It's going to be cool. Has your writing journey changed at all? Um, A bit. So I was already kind of thinking of the sequel while I was writing the first one. Um, and while I was writing the second one, um, which is done, by the way, I know my, my deadline's coming soon. Um, that wasn't uh, a trick question. I was literally, <laughs> I know, described mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I know. Um, so I had, I just started getting ideas for the next one and writing the second one ideas for the third started to germinate. Um, so the trilogy's kind of been building itself, uh, and there is a different, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but knowing that I do have a deadline is motivating me to write faster and just make sure that I'm using my writing time effectively. And I think, I think it does that. I think a lot of people do better under deadline. You know what I mean? Like they, they, it's easier, whether it's a self-created deadline or you a fan created deadline or a publisher created deadline. I think sometimes because I feel like writing is one of the 
um, hobbies or whatever you want to call it that you can get interests. I want to use the word interest, yeah. right? Because I don't think it just because it's a hobby, it doesn't mean it's frivolous. It just means it's right. something you like to do that it's not necessarily your day job. Um, I think it's something to easily give up and put other things in front mm-hmm. of. I think it's one yes. of the easier hobbies to go. I don't have time for that. You know what I mean? Like if you're a runner later, you, you yeah. tend to be like, I'm going to get up. I get myself on a running schedule. I think people getting themselves on a writing schedule does not always stick the way it does sometimes with other things. I don't, I don't know if you guys found that to be the case. Oh yeah. yeah I definitely got to do everything before my kids get up and actually go to bed. <laughs> well, no, I understand. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wake up pretty early to get my author stuff done in the morning and knowing I have this ticking time bomb that they might wake up any minute and demand, demand a breakfast is a, uh, is a good motivator to make sure I get the words, words out fast. Words, words, quick adjective yep. here before kid comes in. <laughs> so what was it like having your first book published? Oh man. Oh man. It was so surreal. So cool. Um, physically holding it in my hand and knowing that this was just a doc on a computer that I did while my kids were napping and sleeping. And now it's something other people can read. And these are other people reading it that are not in a critique group that are expecting a critique back. These are people who actually like paid money for it. Um, it's indescribable. Um, the imposter syndrome is there. Um, but it's not as overwhelming as I guess I'd expected. Um, but it's definitely slowly like one thing at a time, just starting to feel more real as various little milestones happen and and all that. What do you mean milestones? So uh, I reached out to uh, a friend that read an early draft way, way, way when I first, uh, was writing the pre pandemic thing that, uh, an editor would tear apart and she was very encouraging. Um, so I reached back out to her and I said, Hey, you know, I kept trying at it. I, and here's a few of the same characters in a new universe, new story. Um, and she was very supportive. But then she came back and said, Hey, I'm in a book club. Do you want us to like read your book? And then you can come, come with us. And I was like, Amazing. yes. Um, so I just this week met with a book club and they had all read my book and one of them actually had the paperback there in her hands. Um, and then I signed it and she was not a blood relative or someone I had ever met <laughs> before. Um, so just seeing another person that's a stranger holding my book in their hands. Um, that was just this amazing feeling. I was so happy to, to sign it. Um, I was even dorky and like I had my Sharpie in my pocket just in case. Um, <laughs> no authors, authors no, out awesome. there, carry your business card and carry your pens with you because you never know when somebody's going to mm-hmm. come up to you and ask for it. And we look silly if we're like, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a pen, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it, was, awesome. it was really cool. And they were, they were so nice. They, they all uh, like ask questions and that was also interesting too. Like it was very, very fresh in their minds, but I wrote this like two summers ago. Um, So it wasn't as fresh in my head and they were like asking me questions and they were asking me about themes that they thought they found. And I was like, yes, yes, that is a thing. (laughs) Good for you for noticing. (laughs) Nope. 
I talk did about find this on podcast all yep. the time. Danielle, go for it. <laughs> I was going to say, like, did you find where they're like, did, did this character, did you mean that this was a metaphor for that? And you're like, yes, yes, it was. Thank you. And then you're kind of like writing that answer on the side. Like, yeah, okay. That's a really good thought. Hey, okay. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, fascinating because there, there are babies, there are works. We read over them so many times, you know, depending on who you are, I've heard people go through their manuscripts like 50 times. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So I, do. Uh, I would, I would have like a completely different book. If I went through it 50 times, I would have rewritten it like five times in between those 50 times. But I, you know, you do that, you put it out. You're like, I know this story. And then, especially when you're working on other works and stuff, people come up to you and you're like, did I write that? Like, and of course you can't say that because the author, they don't want to hear you going, what? That's what? What are you talking about? Like, you're like, yes, all of that is true. That is what I intended. It is a, of course, (laughs) I'm so smart. It's a metaphor for life itself. Yeah, sometimes they come up with better meanings than you do. Yeah, yeah, they did. I was like, I wish I thought of that. Yeah, exactly. It's like, damn, that was good. Oh my gosh, that reminded me of something that came up. Somebody brought this up to me today because um, apparently there's something going on, and this podcast is going to air a couple months from now. So hopefully, this is dead news. But I thought it was interesting. Is um, they're now saying that the goblins in the Harry Potter thing are representing Jewish people or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, I, I'm not even going to get into um, yeah. Rowling, but yes. whatever. What but I just go, okay, people can take any work and yep. completely like strip mm-hmm. it, like strip mine it, and then even go like, past the work level into some weird universe they've created on the work right where you go uh no no that no that wasn't a metaphor for mm -hmm. that at all like no Mm -mm. i'm lucky if i remember some of my characters names sometimes and i have an index and i've had that happen (laughs) where i i can't i was on an interview and they asked me about a character named oberon and i'm sitting there going over i gotta i have and i'm looking and i'm going yeah no yeah I hung up. I looked at my husband. I said, I got somebody named Oberon in my book. And he looked at me, he goes, the polar bear came. And I'm staring at him going, really? I got, I, are you sure? And he literally looked in the book. He goes, yeah, he got page this. And I'm like, damn, I totally forgot about him. And I was like, I don't know when he comes back. And he's like, I don't know. You haven't written about him. And I'm like, I should really bring that guy back. Cause I <laughs> totally forgot. And I had no, my husband knew who he was. And like I said, I have an index. I hadn't even written about him in the index. That's how much I forgot about him. But this person read it, remembered that character and like had a whole thing about what they represented. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Yep. You are. mm -hmm. Wow. You picked that up. That was great. I hung up and I was like, I no idea who they're talking about, what they're talking about. Didn't know at all. They knew. And I had to go and double check it. And even when my husband brought it up, I was like, Bill, damn. I'm like, okay. You never know. You never know what these characters mean to people either. Well, and that's an interesting part of getting several books into a series because, you know, we've got book two coming, BC from you and book three and blah, blah, blah. But when you get to where are you at? Uh, eight, seven, where are we at, Danielle? Six in the series, but seven, including the novella. So six is coming out in June. But seven, if we include the novella, yeah. We're including the novella, it's published. But the whole point is like, 
seven books in, and then you're like, oh, polar bear character. That's a great idea. I should <laughs> You know, oh, oh my gosh, that's hysterical. Okay. Um, we actually take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, listeners, you know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have, but guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie Florida book series in Erie Appalachia, and we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo, Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about. And I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep. And you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform or choice, or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. We're back. Okay. So, um, question uh is you are working on the series but you had other things in mind so what are your overall goals i'm not sure um because the earlier one that i wrote as i have i wrote a whole trilogy for this uh middle grade thing uh i do like it i think there is potential there um if it were just marketed the right way but i also know that i'd need a different pen name uh excuse me because it is a different audience that and the whole thought of like another website another twitter handle another instagram another this that like just makes you want to have an aneurysm um (laughs) it's just get it getting on social media is so hard for me that is definitely the biggest uh challenge i have um i try to make sure i do like a couple things on the different platforms each week uh but so I do have that series ready to go, but a whole nother author persona on top of the one I have, that's my big holdup. Um, but in the universe mummified moon is set in, I made it, I made a few things pretty open. So there is a lot of room for other characters and other, um, points in history to jump in at, um, cause it's set in, a future where humans are like at the bottom of the pecking order of the various alien societies. Um, so there's potential for first contact. There's potential for uh prequel series, potential for sequel series. So there is a lot I could do within the mold I've created, even if it's not the other thing I thought was going to be my big ticket. Well, the thing about doing um, a middle grade, well, it, it depends. The biggest thing with doing any, younger under YA stuff, right? Um, is what does your other books contain? Because a lot of times parents just sort of let their kids buy all the PC Nottingham books. Yep. So what happens when they get <laughs> these other books? That ends up being the big thing. But once you have a few books out and you're established, you can always do things like that as long as you don't go, I'm gonna write erotica or paranormal romance and middle grade books. Like yeah, that's where the lines get blurry. I think more and more authors are able to branch out into other things that they maybe weren't able to before and streams can be crossed separate conversation, not on this podcast for you, but um, that is something you could definitely look into. I just think it depends on the audience and where you're going with your other stuff. Not so much. I have to create this whole new thing. And I think it's something a lot of authors 
should think about. Also, when you create an audience for yourself, right? Um, what can feed into that audience? We've had several authors on this podcast who are like, I publish anything I want to publish, right? Which is fine, but I, I go, you end up having to find people who really love your writing then and not are stuck in a genre. Because if you write hometown romance, you know, crime thriller, cozy mystery, like not everybody jumps into all those baskets necessarily. Yeah. Like, so I, I think there's ways you can do it. Um, okay. What is something that surprised you about pub- being published? What is something that you didn't, and besides the social media, we know that yeah. marketing, everybody says marketing, um, but what is something that surprised you that you weren't ready for when you got published or, you know, happy or whatever surprise? Um, so I w- took my, I ordered some, some books for myself and I took them to a local bookstore and I was whole all ready to like prove to them. I wasn't a fraud. I wanted to make sure I had the hardcover because I'd had my headshot. I wore the same outfit I was wearing in my headshot mm-hmm. because I just assumed you know, this person would look at me like you're just some yutz who's trying to you know, scam me or whatever. Um, and this person was just very like acceptingly like, Oh, okay. You're a person with a box of books. You're probably an author. And signed it so I, I i guess i was expecting to like have to haggle or something um or like prove that it was an author uh, but this person was just very yeah come on in sure we'll sell your stuff put it on consignment and i'm slowly oh, trying to cool. get around the area to all the local bookstores and see if i can do the same thing oh absolutely yeah i think that you know i love that you dressed up in the same outfit as your no, look, it's really me. It's really me. I know. Yeah. I was ready to do the side by side. I want you from now on when you take your books to bookstores. Okay. To same outfit. With the crown. Yeah, she dresses as one of the characters as her nice. photo in the back. So I would love I should, for I should actually sit in the throne and have like somebody carry it in. Yes. Trumpets and I am an author. You should stock I'm my here. books. <laughs> stock them, peasant. I, I think sit here and wait. But I think what you just said is so important in a way because it's it's part of the imposter syndrome. Like mm-hmm. even though you have your books and they're real and you know you can order them and stuff like that, you still yeah. go, will somebody believe that I'm this thing? You know, and will they give it validity that I'm a published author, that I'm with a publishing house or however you're published, you know? It it it's part of I think some of the layers of it sinking oh, yeah. in how that this is a real thing for you. Cause you talked about like the first time you signed a book, I think for most of us as authors, that's huge. The first time somebody goes, here's a book and not the first time you see a book and you're like, you know, that's mine. You want me to sign it? It's very different than somebody going here. Will you sign my book? Right. Totally different. Like, I don't know, feeling or whatever. Um, what about reviews? Are you cyber stalking your reviews, PC? I'm trying not to. I'm trying not, but I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm um, sure you were. <laughs> so, yeah. How's that going? So, so there was on Goodreads, there was one three-star review with no context. And that was just living rent-free in my head, just like a little like a little bug who just running around. And 
at the book club meeting, someone asked me if I was uh, credit, uh, preyed upon by internet trolls because I have a sci-fi book and the main character is a woman. And I said, no, but you know what? There's, I've got one three-star review with no context and it's driving me bonkers. Um, and then one of the women in the book club said, oh yeah, that was me. <gasps> and I thought she was joking. <laughs> so I started laughing and then she was like, yeah, says this, this, and this. Uh, and I was like, oh, you're being serious. Um, and she <laughs> said, I did like it. Um, and all of her criticism I felt were fairly valid. Um, and I knew like she actually did like it because she was asking me about when the sequel was going to be ready and like what characters and elements are going to show up in future books. Um, so I, so somehow knowing she like actually did like it and had valid criticisms. Um, and it, she also said it was just like a personal preference. Uh, like she said for her three is I'll keep reading the series, but I probably won't reread this again, which, yeah. which I'll take. Which I'll take. Everybody's everybody's their own little special snowflake yeah. when it comes to reviewing things. Yeah, you know? nice about, oh, ain't so. that the truth? Yeah, it's just you 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 just never quite know because you're trying to like I hate it when people write what it's not a review. What is it when they do the stars? What is that called? I keep a rating the rating rating. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, thank you. There's a lot more espresso in this family. Anyway, um. The rating, I hate this now because I feel like giving a rating to something, if if you I think you should be allowed to give a four or five star rating to something, but if you go anything less, you need to do some explaining as to Mm -hmm. why you're going lower than that. Like I just think that should be a requirement of every rating system on the planet because I, you know, I I would love to go if you're gonna rate, you have to review, but if you're gonna go lower than a certain thing, you need to speak up. Because and it has to be I, legit, like really, it's got to be you know, like you have to really put it out there and make your argument. Yeah, because can't just be yeah, like, eh. It sounds like she liked it, but it sounds like it's not her cup of tea. I really don't review stuff if it's not your cup of tea. Don't yeah, read just it. Walk don't away. review it. Just like be done, whether you liked it or not. Not that anything she said wasn't valid. Yeah. But I feel like if it's not something that you normally read. Or when you start reading it, you're like, this isn't the kind of book for me. Then walk away. Any communication other than this is not my type of book, I just feel is invalid. Because if it's not your thing, how can you actually give critique on it? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the main thing, she was nice. Uh, Her explanation sounded to me like more like a three and a half or a four than a a a three. That sounds a little better. But I was I wasn't gonna split hairs, and and it was it was on Goodreads, not Amazon. And I feel like on Goodreads, people use it more like for their personal ranking than trying to sell it or not sell it to another person. So if it were on Amazon, I might have been a little more ticked. But it was on Goodreads, so I'm not. So I've, I've stay made off Goodreads. Yeah. Don't go on Goodreads. Stay off there. Somebody told me once they were like, going on Goodreads is like imagine walking down the street and hearing what everybody thinks of what you're wearing. That's Goodreads. And yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, wow. And he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, that's how I think of it. He's like, just imagine being able to hear what everybody thinks about the way you're dressed, the way you look. He's like unfiltered. And I was like, that's actually not a bad way. He's like, would you really want to know? I'm like, no. He's like, that's Goodreads. He's like, anybody can say anything. He's like, just like as an author, stay off of it. He's like, because it doesn't, you know, 
anybody can get on there. They don't have to buy the book. And I was like, that's a really oh, yeah, that's good true. point. I mean, and I'm like, yeah. I will so. say this for Goodreads, though, is that Amazon, for instance, it's funny because people talk about looking up their Amazon reviews, but they don't talk about going and looking up their Barnes and Noble reviews or their Kobo reviews or, you know what I mean? Like, have you been on Audible to look at your Audible reviews? Like, yes. Yeah. I do but I'm just saying them. that a lot of people, when mm-hmm. they talk about no. reviews, it's interesting to me is they go, Goodreads, Goodreads Amazon. Amazon. Yep. And there's all these other places you can look for your reviews. Story graph. You just got to, because the uh, Amazon now does not let you post if you are not a verified purchaser of the book. Right. Yep. So they, sometimes they slip through, but then they'll get rid of them. So people Mm -hmm. um, didn't buy the book through Amazon. Goodreads is not a bad place for them to go get the reviews, but everything has to, all reviews have to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt. You know, because they're other people's opinions, you know, craziness. Um, so what um, have you set up for signings at any bookstores or anything like that to really solicit strange people to come up to you? <laughs> uh, no, not yet. Um, I reached out to one library. I've been waiting to hear back. Um, still haven't heard anything. So I'm going to try another another area library. Yeah, I think that'll be. Did you practice your signature? You had your pen. Have you practiced your PC Nottingham signature? Yes, yes. I spent like a half hour one morning working on it, um, and I made sure I got my wife's approval for the for the one I chose. <laughs> I love that. You know what somebody said on a podcast? Was it yesterday or something like that? Um, sorry, my dog is breaking and entering. Um, they said that you should date. And put the location of where you signed your books. I never thought of this, but yes, it's signed before you get super famous. When you get super famous, those books are worth, worth a ton when they're signed with a date. And then somebody else mentioned doing the place hmm. like mm-hmm. that, like you're at Galaxy Con 2022. Oh, that- who was that? Yeah, I remember we were on a podcast together when somebody was it, um, the empathy guy. Who mentioned that too? I don't. I can't remember. I, it was somebody, yeah. I feel like it's a, a conglomeration. It's a conglomeration of humans. But mm-hmm. I just thought that was interesting. So, PC, since you're starting out, the next book, sign it with the where you were in the date, because then I like that. Yeah, that's cool. They'll yeah. have it. Um, how are you doing with um, uh, like when you had that critique group and they were saying things? Were you able to take what they were saying with a grain of salt? Or how did that affect you when you're listening to them critiquing your book? So we did everything remotely through Discord. Um, these are very close oh. friends of mine that I've never met in person. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, strangers on the internet. And uh, we will share uh, our files with each other. And the what it's helped a lot with for me is being able to see unnecessary words um, I found that critique, critiquing other people's stuff has made me a lot better um, to the point where I almost feel like it's more valuable to critique something than to be critiqued yourself. Uh, because then when you're seeing what another person's doing well, you can kind of dissect why it's what good. And when you see someone do something not as 
pristine or something that's not as clear, you can kind of see it then in your own writing. Um, like in my writing group, the joke is that whenever someone writes the word that, I wake up and I and I gain power. Um, that I'm going to go <laughs> seek it out and take the take that word out. Um, so that's definitely been helpful. Um, in terms of grains of salt, I found most of what they have said overall to be pretty valid and useful. Um, and I tell them like only take like a third of what I say to heart. Like just take whatever my suggestions that you think work and forget the rest. Um, cause I don't want to write it for you and I don't want to, you know, kidnap your voice. Um, yeah, everything they've had has been really helpful and very encouraging too, which is almost as important, especially when you're in the querying trenches and in drafting hell in that dreaded middle of the book. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. So mm-hmm. what about your writing routine? What is that like? Describe to us your perfect non-child interfering writing environment. <laughs> well, the child actually helped me write better. So I use this website called writerdie.com. And yeah. you if you write, you set, so you set on your timer that you how long you have to write, and you set in your word count goal. And if you write too slowly, the screen turns red and it lets out this shrieking sound. So to teach myself to write as fast as possible in as short of time as possible. When our uh, last kid, who was a pandemic baby, when she was a newborn and she could only sleep in this one bassinet in our living room, I would write on the, on the table next to her. So if I did not write fast enough, I would wake up a very irritable newborn. Oh, um, wow. And I wrote, I wrote a hundred thousand novel a first draft in uh, about a month and a half that way oh my goodness wow. that yeah. is um that is a very interesting approach i haven't heard that one before like outside yeah. environmental ramifications from doing that yeah and then because yeah. i think like i'd rather write in those early mornings and then edit when i'm a little more awake and have had time to chew on the scene a little bit in my head um mm-hmm. so write in the morning then edit in the afternoon if I can and edit after the kids go to bed if I can. Very cool. What about music and stuff like that? Do you listen to music while you're writing or? So I will, I outline pretty heavily um, and I have either a playlist or an individual theme song for each character. If I'm really struggling, I might write while that's playing in the background, but if it's got lyrics and a, very catchy tune that I'm going to get distracted. True. I end up singing along with it. I go into dance mode, going to dance, dance revolution mode. Yeah. What are we doing? No, oh, I'm supposed to be writing. Nope. I'm singing a pop song. No team. Don't even know the words, making them up. What am I? With all that being said, uh, so you said you outline, uh, how big of an outline do you do? I make a pretty thorough one on a spreadsheet. Um, I do a mix of Save the Cat and a few other few other ones. Um, so I'll try to have it pretty thoroughly outlined in terms of the whole plot, and then I'll outline the characters in terms of their personalities, values, backgrounds. I'll do a celebrity lookalike um, and uh, either a historical figure 
personality or someone I know personality and just try to blend all those together. Um, there's a website called Hero Forge that lets you make your own miniatures and I'll do that to like get the character's outfit or any like weapons or gear they might have or any like facial features. Cool. Um, so then I can, so that with a song, I have like not a mood board cause it's not pretty enough, uh, but just a jumble of little pieces about them that I can use to figure out like where the story is going from there. Um, cause I like to think of each character as their own main character and them trying to drive the story themselves, even though they're not really, they think they are. <laughs> do you keep a world book? Like how do you keep track of when you're doing series writing? How do you keep track of what you said before? Obviously, unlike Danielle who forgot about the polar bear King, how do you keep track of your stuff? Uh, spreadsheets mostly. And um, whenever I have to go back through the manuscript, and figure out like which uh, one of the characters in my in mummified moon who's a big guy in the whole series he is um he's par- uh, partially disabled he's missing uh one of his arms and for the life of me i could never remember which arm so then i realized <laughs> once i was like constantly forgetting which arm he was missing i just put it in his character sheet on the spreadsheet and then I knew it was there as opposed to having to go all the way back to his first appearance um, and doing little things like that. Like he's got a scar there. This character is an orphan. This character is from this planet. Just if I have to, if I've forgotten something, I have to look it up, then I have to write it down. And that usually See, helps. Now, you know, you could get called on any of the characters in any of the books and any mm-hmm. of the metaphors at any time. No, just kidding. I kind of wonder as authors, I, I you know, how how do you approach it? See, I, I cheat in a way because I write in mon I don't write in fantasy or something like you guys. So I'm like, we can talk about Chicago because that's where I wrote that story. Go to you. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I, I do that because I know my memory is not that great when it comes to that kind of stuff. So how how do you remember all these pieces? Like besides being there, if somebody's talking to you about your book or you're working on the next thing, are you able to remember a lot of the story to play it out? Or do you have to reference a lot? Um, so like when I was just recently talking about the, um, talking about it with uh, the book club, I did remember the majority of it because it's not, it hasn't been that long since I've written it. And two, I've been working on pitching it. So when you pitch it, you're really getting the main, like exciting pieces. So having the pitch pretty fresh in my head, since I was, you know, I'm trying to get it to bookstores and everything that did make it a little easier. I think if someone had like something I wrote when I was a teenager, then I'd probably have a lot more difficulty. And I'm sure as I get older and publish more that, I'll, it'll be more problematic. I'll just have to nod along. Well, I, th- I think it also depends on how many times people bring up certain things, which yeah. I don't know, Danielle, because you're more books into this. Do people tend to bring up the same or similar things from the previous books to help your memory with that? Uh, there's certain themes, I think, that come up continuously. Uh, but 
I also know that I think it also depends on if you love what you write. If you love what you write, you tend to remember those. You you do remember more. I mean, polar bear aside, um, I, I do tend to remember, you know, Oberon over there. And I'll never forget Oberon again. I, I do remember most of it because I, I do love the world. I want to live there. So I think it, it also comes down to if you love what you're writing, you do remember a lot of it. And I, I do. You know, if, if somebody comes up to me and is like, hey, that crystal in this cave, you know, then I'll probably be looking at him going, it's blue. Yes, it's blue because everything's blue. Um, but, you know, I, I think you do remember it. And I, I try to listen to my audiobooks. If I'm if I find that like I'm really getting too far into something and I'm like, I don't really remember and I have to go talk, then I, I will go back and listen to it just to be like, OK, it's fresh. I got it. I got it. We're good. Or I'll go back to the index. That's why I keep the author index to kind of make sure I know what I'm doing. That makes sense. Okay. Danielle, I'm going to let you give the final question, my darling, since I stole most of the screen time. Well, that, that's quite all right. I'm, I'm good. PC, now that you're, you're planning this, uh, this journey into serial theories kind of thing, is there one character that stuck out that you were like, oh, I was going to kill them or I wasn't going to do anything with them. And now they've taken on a life of their own. Yes. Um, a character that was, She's the bad guy's assistant and she's just very competent um, and everybody just loves her. And that's been the feedback I got from my critique group when they read um, book one. They're like, we want more Amanda. Um, And I have friends that are not part of a critique group, but they're part of a, another podcast called radio free, Write That I'll occasionally go on. Um, feel like flash fiction, check them out, radio free, Write. Um, and they started reading the book. They're like, Oh, we love Amanda. And then second book, my critique groups going through is like, we want more Amanda. So I was like, okay, well fine. Book three, she's gonna be the main character. Um, and she was just kind of like the moral compass, conscience, Jiminy cricket type to the, to the bad guy. Um, and she just didn't take any crap from anyone and people, people liked her. So now she's the main character. That's awesome. That's Erica. your Bob, right? Erica, that, that's what you the always Bob the barista. I was called Bob, Bob the barista, which is this character you write in a book for whatever reason, plot point, whatever, but there, you're not like, this is a character that, you know, is my thing. And then everybody's like, I love Bob. And you're like, yeah. What the actual fuck? Like, what did mm-hmm. that happen? If you remember it, that's the fun part is when they pick a super obscure character that you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Did I write that in the book? No, no. Of course, you never say that to a fan in a million years. If an author ever says that to you, slap them on the hand and tell the bad author. We always need to fake it, even if we don't remember what you're talking about. <laughs> Will do. Always do. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. This is your host, Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, welcome to the literary briefs portion. Enjoy. Hot seat time. What is your favorite book of all time? Um, Catch-22. Oh, I love Catch-22. That is a good book. Why do you like it? Um, an English teacher made me read it in high school. It was Well, it was, so it was AP english and that was one of the books and the teacher was very much like this book's awesome and for most of my life i've been like whatever if a teacher makes me read a book fine it's work um but i i laughed i was reading a book and i laughed and i'd never had that experience before and that was just so cool to read a book and laugh out loud um 
So even though that book was like a brick, it could murder a chihuahua. I just like tore through it. Um, so it was just funny and interesting and cool and tons of symbolism. And, and I remember like being excited to discuss it in an English class, which I never had before. That's very cool. What about your least favorite book? This is probably super obscure, but I remember it very clearly. Um, the House of Dies Drear. Couldn't tell you what it's about. It was in sixth grade, but I hated it so much. Like my eyes turned red reading it. I just, I hated it. Mm -hmm. I don't remember a single thing other than how much I hated it. Wow. There's a lot of emotions there. There's several there was. emotions there. Okay. If you could be any lead character or any character out of your book, who would you be? Like if you could instantly turn into them, who would you be? Oh, out of my book. Ooh. Your book. I am mm. horrible to my characters. Oh my gosh. Um, probably I'm this question. Very interesting to authors. Mm. Danielle. Do you see why? Yeah, yeah. I know. Oh, I, man. That. I treated them so poorly. Um, well, well now you wanna, have to be one. So, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers, so I don't want to say it's so-and-so just based on them surviving. Um, but the monster in the book is, I think is really cool. Okay. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Good answer. Cool. It's an like eldritch, that. eldritch alien space demigod demon thing, and it's oh. it's pretty cool. So I'll go with that because it's Somebody it's a fun monster. Your God, Ray, say yes. I got to make that reference the other day. I was very proud. Of nice. Myself. I was supposed to reference. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll go ahead. <laughs> wow. Okay, like we don't know what this answer is going to be, but that's okay. We're going to try it anyway because we're talking to a sci-fi guy, so it's cool. If you, you're you going to run into one of these three creatures to prove its existence, which one is it going to be? Bigfoot, aliens, or the Loch Ness Monster? And Danielle, it would he's be been aliens. listening to the show, so I'm just going to tell you he probably knows with you what the correct answer is, but go ahead. He said aliens. And why would it be aliens? Just, just wondering. So... Not Bigfoot, because I'm pretty sure that's just bears that have been walking upright. Okay. Um, not there the Loch Ness. There is an entire society that will come after you for saying. I was just going to say, Mark <laughs> Muncie is somewhere right now screaming come, into the ether. Come come find me, buddy. Come find me, buddy. We'll, we'll have a <laughs> civilized chat. Um, not the Loch Ness Monster, because I have, have a friend in Scotland that has... I've asked questions. She has replied and no, um, but aliens, I mean, it's too big of a universe for them not to be anything besides us. Um, and the aliens don't have to be sentient. I mean, they could just be like little water bear equivalents. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see some aliens. Okay. Fair enough. I shall let it go for now. Go ahead. You can berate me. You can berate me for my no, choice. I'm not. No, 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 no. I'm not going to berate you. You don't. Okay. She's not I'm an to break people, but she might voodoo doll you later. So just be prepared for that to happen. You know, so. no, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> well, if you do voodoo doll me, I've got a really bad crick in my back. So like mid, mid, Aim uh, there. Aim there. yeah. Okay. It's all, like I said, Mark Muncie might be coming after you for the Bigfoot comment right now. I think his head just went up and he's like, there's been a disturbance in the force, but that's okay. It's all good. good. Erica, I would love you to talk to him. him. Cryptozoologists mm -hmm. everywhere just went, what? Did you hear that? I heard something. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, it's exposure. Exposure. <laughs> At PC Nottingham. 
<laughs> follow back. Follow, follow me on Twitter and tell me how wrong I am. That's okay. Sign that up way. for his newsletter and tell yeah. you. Oh, yeah, there we oh, go. Oh, yeah, that's even better. Yeah. Be a verified purchaser on Amazon. And then in the in the rate in the review, you can tell me how wrong I am about Bigfoot. Actually, now put that in your next book. Put it in book three, and you can have <laughs> one of the characters make this comment, and everybody will read it and then let you know. It's very ahead, interesting. Erica. Don't you think how polarized people are on some of these these topics, like Bigfoot and aliens and stuff like that? Like it's so interesting to me. Um, when you get the, the, the dot, I mean, I guess this is true with any topic, but you get like the, oh my God, I believe in Bigfoot. It's the best thing in the world. And then the, like, you know, it's, it's so, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they get nutty. Yeah, don't um, get me wrong. Like Bigfoot would be cool. Like it would be mm-hmm. so cool if Bigfoot were real. It's just, when I saw that thing about like bears standing up straight, it just, yeah, that's gotta be Bigfoot. The magic was gone. Yeah. yeah. It would be cool um, though. But I, I, I think it would be cool if the Bigfoot came off at all like a nice um, creature to be around. But every indication is that that is not the case. So it is technically, if it's there, a monster. Like, by definition, it is a monster. So one, you know, appreciate it and all, but a monster. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you see some of these anaconda snakes and I'm like, oh, oh good. No, I'm good. No. Yeah, it is a monster to me when you're 40 feet long or something. Mm, and your no jaw hinges? No. Yeah. no. I'm a snack. Uh-uh. Yep, I'm good. I'm good. Don't need to go down the food chain. Um, PC, what is your favorite way to read a book? So I do appreciate the, the weight and texture of an actual book in my hand. Um, I feel like I read a little faster than on an ebook. Because um, if I'm doing an ebook on my phone, like, you know, I, I read it. I like it, but it's just there's too many distractions that will come up. I really do like audiobooks, but um, I got a new job this year, and my commute is so much shorter. So that's taken a bite out of my audiobooks. So I'm still trying to find like a new normal. And to prep for this podcast, I've been listening uh, to Drinking with Authors in when I would have been doing audiobooks too. See, you have to prep for this and do homework, Danielle. We should start assigning homework, like to people who are coming on the show. And I did uh, one and a half speed, so it's very odd to me to hear you both speak at like a normal. (laughs) (laughs) Not sound like Minnie Mouse before. Yeah, like you sound you sound a little different. We don't. Maybe I'm not drinking enough. Do any of us sound like chipmunks at one and a half speed? Not at one and a half speed at like double or I tried double or triple, but I couldn't do it. But one and a half is, is good. Wow. We're, we're good at one and a half. Erica, go figure. Oh, who knew? Who knew? Who now knew? I know. Okay. So what is your favorite writing snack? Probably beer. Okay. I, I will, I will take that answer. I will take that answer. What, uh, what about, um, if you could have lunch with any author, alive or dead, who would you have lunch with? Um, probably Jessica Brody, just so I could thank her. Um, she wrote this book, and I'm going to get the title wrong, of course, but it's like understand, understand the difference between showing and telling and yes. like how to really get it right. Um, yep. that, that book I, I would put that as like one of the top five reasons I was able to get my writing to a point where it could be published. That 
I never understood show tell until I picked her stuff up. Um, obviously like getting Brandon Sanderson's podcast and his YouTube were great, but that was the most like technical in your face, quick thing that just solidified everything for me. That's a great problem. I also realized having completed that thought when I said Jessica Brody, I meant Janice Hardy, but I would also thank Jessica Brody for writing the save the cat. <laughs> yeah. I was like, she did the save the cat. So sorry to both I'm looking it up. I was like, yep. yeah. Yeah. So Janice yeah, Hardy's showing and telling. Show versus tell over yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jessica Brody, save the cat, both of them equal. I could really interchangeably definitely need to thank both of them. Um, yeah. Just sorry. Sorry, ladies. I've been drinking. No, you're who <laughs> you're talking to. If, if they're out there, designated podcaster right now. It's, yeah, I'm the driver. I'm good on this. Um, if so, you could live in one fantasy world, where would it be from the literary uh, background? Um, I just really love Tolkien. I know a million authors have said it on here before, and I'm sorry I'm not more original, but just the whole middle earth, just a very clear good and evil, even though I wouldn't want to write that just experiencing that and just the nobility of the characters and the old feeling architecture everywhere. Like that just is very, it captured my imagination as a kid. Well, you got to say what time period you're talking about though, because there are different time periods in our friend middle earth there. Some not so great to live in. Not uh, whatever this Amazon nonsense is. Um, I haven't been able to to watch that. Um, but definitely like the um, the War of the Ring, just that very clear good versus evil. I'd want to be with that. Um, the Silmarillion, I, it was too experimental, I guess is maybe the right word. I feel like Tolkien was trying more to give backstory than story. So it didn't capture me quite as much. I mean, obviously I read it because that, you know, I need to. Uh, but there's really like the classic Lord of the Rings world that really pulled me so in. For the record, what you see on Amazon is a Cimmerillion. That yeah. is what Rings of Power is, is a Cimmerillion. Now that starts a whole entire other debate, which I'm not going to get J.M. Paquette on here to go down to token. I should just have her do a podcast one time called I was J.M. Yeah. Paquette going down the token superhighway because seriously, it's funny. I just don't even get into conversations with her about it because she's like, yeah. it is not the same thing. And I'm like, I got to go. I just can't. <laughs> yep. And we're out. Yeah, exactly. And thanks for being on the podcast. No, just kidding. <laughs> So easy. Um, what about if you could travel anywhere? Where do you want to travel? Like right now, no cost, no anything. Where would you go? Um, the well, no cost, no anything. Is there any conflict in this place right now? Um, no, because I'd really, because I'd really like to see um, the Israel Palestine area. Um, I just the idea that these three religions all see it as the holy land like i just really love to go there um if not there seeing uh, going to japan or india and seeing like all the various uh, buddhist shrines and stuff um seeing hindu temples that that stuff just totally like it's it's so cool to me um, i'd love to go see any of that stuff in like the original places that's cool very cool danielle my friend 
What is a good uh, book to TV or film adaptation that you enjoyed? Um, I was a pretty big fan of the first season of Game of Thrones. I felt like the first season of Game of Thrones was like you were basically just reading the book. Um, the other seasons where they started derailing and then when they went past George R. R. Martin are a separate conversation, but I felt like the first season really got it right. I, I like the first, I like the first several seasons of that. There was an exact point in time that went left, but I, I, I very much enjoyed that. Um, yeah. But now the opposite, right, Danielle? That's the next question. Yeah. What, what, where, where did it go left? Like what was a, a book to film TV adaptation that you did not enjoy? A lot of the pre, um, the pre MCU Marvel movies, like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man's, the okay. X-Men trilogy, the, I remember Spider-Man 3, Venom, oh. Venom referred to himself in the first person yes. singular. I was shaking. I was so angry. Um to like I was just frothing at the mouth like Venom doesn't say I Venom says we um, mm -hmm. to the point where I did not get another date with that girl that I was with <laughs> because she was so like dude oh. <laughs> you are so pathetic to be mad about this now like you don't understand yeah, yeah. well Topher Venom's Grace I mean that was the first issue but yeah yeah, yeah. that's before uh, the modern concern of people and their pronouns Venom's pronouns really mattered to me because he was a Venom's a we we Wait, yeah. what about blade though did you like wesley snipes blade yes that was cool okay um i never really read the blade comics but and i didn't even when i first saw them i didn't really remember or know that those were like a marvel property uh but yeah like i know wesley snipes wasn't the nicest to some of his mm -hmm. casting crew members uh but it was just so cool like that just defined cool yeah he was yeah. he was good but then after that it was just so the Spider-Mans yep. and, and all that before it was like yeah. that MCU was not working for you pre MCU before we, yeah. before Kevin Fahey take it, took it over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard something about like Mahershala Ali becoming yeah, the new blade. Started. That's, yeah. that's going to be so They're cool. He's going to be awesome. He's such a good actor. Yep. They're working that out right now and getting it together yeah. and getting him set. And there's talk that Wesley Snipes is making an appearance don't know i think he should be whistler but hey that's my thoughts like, you know what do did I know? you guys um, um you know, see the I'm what sorry. we do in the shadows where blade was in the what we do in the shadows no, no. okay so the tv that's show awesome. it actually was probably one of the most brilliant episodes but the tv show what we do in the shadows that the vampires are called before the vampire council right mm -hmm. and the vampire council is made up of like the girl that paid the queen in true blood and Wesley Snipes. And like, it was from all these different vampire. That's if you guys awesome. get a chance, look this up. I got to look it up. Because before it. And Wesley Snipes, his blade is on a TV thing. And then he ends up being like, okay, I'm out of here or whatever. And they're like, that doesn't even count. He's like a day walker. Like, it's a whole <laughs> conversation. That's awesome. That. It is probably one that. of the most so well cool. done cameo episodes based on that. And um, Pee Wee Herman is in it as the vampire from Buffy. Like, Buffy. Oh yeah. my God, that's so great. That I gotta say. Yeah. 
that's that's smart. Very that's clever. Yeah, I love that. What if you could have any superpower? What would it be? So there's this YouTube series about like how most superpowers actually suck. Um, like that they would end up getting yourself injured. So if I could limit it and just make sure I can like turn it on and off, I'd really like to be able to just know any language I'm hearing, um, which would also include body language and social cues. Cause I'm awful at those um, mm-hmm. that I could just immediately interpret whatever someone's saying, whether it be a language I don't know, or just some body language or social cue. I'm not intelligent enough to get because if I were better know when you instantly got that power she would be like what's with you (laughs) yeah exactly there's the disturbance in the force if I were better at picking up hints we would have been dating like a month earlier than we actually Mm -hmm. were um we probably would have been engaged sooner too because she was just like giving me these subtle hints that she was into me and I way over my head i'm not i was like sorry i'm not smart enough spell it out (laughs) yeah look at i look like i have a demon cat in the background look at that That that's pretty cool i don't know if you can see him but his eyes are all glowy glowy yeah it's creepy anyway so i tracked my shiny objects okay um what about uh a weird food combination that you like did we ask that already did i ask that and i forgot no you you haven't um i'm studying so you should know these (laughs) you know i i I prepped for a lot of these i knew the i knew the books questions were coming um but uh in terms of the strange food combinations i found pretzels and pizza sauce are really good if you are good with salty it's yeah. Huh. That's one we Pretzels haven't heard, Erica. Sauce. No, I haven't heard that. I don't know how I feel about that. I suddenly got mixed emotions. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how your face. There's a lot of things I'd put with pretzels. I like sweet and salty with pretzels, and I'll do all kinds of weird stuff. That. I just was like, what? Hmm. But it's salt and salt. Yeah. That's where I'm kind of like, huh, what do we do with this? This is super salty, super duper salty. Are we talking the crunchy pretzels or are we talking yes. the squishy pretzels? I only tried it with crunch pretzels, but mm. it was huh. it was pretty good. It was also stress mm. eating and emotional eating, so it wasn't me at my healthiest. Um, but it was tasty. Mm. Most of our weird food combinations are comfort food. I hate to yeah. say it, but like if you're doing a weird food combo, it is generally a comfort food from some point that you're like, this makes me at least right this second feel better in two hours. My stomach is going to fucking hate me, but right now this is fantastic. Give yeah. me the oh. chocolate covered gummy bears. Yeah. What? Chocolate covered gummy bears. That sounds terrible. I've heard oh, of those. Awesome. Okay, chocolate. fine. I'm bringing my weird foods. You're bringing your weird foods. Well, we're going to just right. whatever. Um, what question should we have asked you that you prepped for that we didn't ask you yet now i want to know let's see you it was the oh what um mythological or fantastical creature creature would i be oh okay you prep for this and the answer is a wookie i'd be a wookie a wookie all right that's a good one i'd be a wookie i think we've had one 
Why would you be a Wookiee? Um, so in real life, I am not average height. I'm a little below that. Um, I'm not average strength. I'm a little below that. And I'm not average scary. I'm a little below that. <laughs> so just like yeah just being like the biggest scariest dude in the room like that's very appealing to me also um like people never ask a wookie for clarification they just roar their feeling and it's totally socially acceptable for them to just roar in someone's face which i would love to do um and people don't ask for clarification they just figure it out based on the context and so oh okay i'll leave you alone Good point. Yeah. Okay. I think I you're, like that answer. you're you're going solely on the let the Wookiee win theory here. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm let also the, the youngest win. of all brothers. So. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I get it. I Understood. get it. Now. Go ahead, Danielle. Yeah, oh, so I'm, I'm saying one. it back to and like. It just went right over my head, which so rarely happens. Oh yes. DC or Marvel. Marvel. Why? so i really identify with peter parker um just like always strung out you're always trying to do the right thing no matter what you do it still somehow blows up in your face you still end up hurting someone you care about um i really identify with that i also um i like the whole magneto professor x dichotomy where the bad guy is kind of right like the bad guy has a point um and that the bad the good guy and the bad guy are were once friends they are also rivals and they also kind of have the same goal um so those really drew me towards it i also never really liked how overpowered superman and batman are um and they come from different eras of storytelling although i think modern writers with Superman who are trying to like play with the whole, he doesn't want to hurt anyone and his super strength is actually kind of a limitation. Like, I think what modern writers are doing with him is pretty cool. Um, and like writers who explore the psychological elements of Batman are pretty cool. Um, but when you add in the awesomeness of the Marvel movies compared to the kind of hit or miss DC movies, yeah. it's gotta be, it's gotta be team Marvel. Understood. Yeah, DC is just not the movie issues. Yeah, we're lagging behind, and then we went and fired yeah. Cavill. So I, 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 I can't have, defend him anymore. I actually had that conversation today as well. That I don't know that Gunn is going to pull this off and do anything no. better for it. Nope. And it makes I, me really sad because I really like if you just take the movie for entertainment value, and you're not like. Mm -hmm. Let me go back to the comics, yep. all that stuff, which is a different story. But like, I yep. love Michael Keaton's Batman, the original Batman oh. when, oh, yeah. you know, they did that because it was very comic booky, which is what, um, yeah. oh my God, the director, whose name escapes me Tim right Burton. now, but Tim Burton, he is very yep. like that. Like all of his stuff yes. is very like that. So like the number two with the Penguin and Catwoman, like oh. one of my favorite awesome. Superhero movies, oh, just because of how well it was done. Again, the Batman with Heath Ledger is the Joker. He is my favorite, personally, my favorite oh, Joker. So Heath Ledger in the Dark Knight and stuff like that. You know, what 
irritates me is somehow, and I feel like this is not going to still be fixed regardless mm-hmm. of, and I refuse to go see the flash movie for many reasons, all yep. having to do with the lead character um, yep. star, I should say, not the character of the star. Um, mm-hmm. I just go, you guys haven't synced it up and they synced up the, you know, Marvel movies. They finally got like, even though they have some oddballs, they have it in a cohesiveness. Even when they do the TV shows, they have it in a cohesiveness. Yeah. It all flows. Well, the flash originally was supposed to make it cohesive because Cavill was in it. Gal was in it. Wonder woman, Superman was in flash. They cut them both out. Because they fight. Well, Cavill was never fired. He was just never rehired. <sighs> Gal was cut out because that was leading into Wonder Woman three. But then Gunn took over and just wiped everybody out. And what they could have done was they could have given given Cavill an Elseworlds Brainiac Superman movie and just moved him aside, put him on a different Earth. We could have. We, you know what? They should have just let me fix this. I would have fixed all this crap. But. They didn't. I don't think Gunn is the one to do this. I don't need a younger Superman. I just don't. I don't care. You don't need to retell the whole Superman thing. We know how he came here. We got the whole thing. I don't want to see him struggle with Clark Kent. I really don't care. I, I don't think DC knows what they're doing. And now I'm getting a new Wonder Woman or I'm getting Themyscira as Game of Thrones. Whatever. I, I don't think they know what they're doing. I don't need all these other movies that they're doing i don't think dc knows marvel started off right they knew how to introduce which characters and then bring them all together i don't think gunn is the one and he's just reusing the guys from marvel into dc booster gold apparently is going to be chris pratt or that's who they're looking at they're giving me obscure characters that i don't care about so that's my rant on dc i should have just gone in there and fixed it all and it all would have been fixed it's done but I am getting I Michael Keaton DC, one more time in a cow. Yeah. I just think many DC fans feel the same way. You know, I think it's when you, but it's, I think it's true with any universe is that you fall in love with the universe a certain way. And then when they go mm-hmm. and do stuff different, Star Wars, you're like, what mm-hmm. in the actual fuck are you doing? Like, give me, give me, give me the scripts, give them all to me right yep. now. I will fix this. And I will fix it. Yeah, they're doing the same thing. I think um, the girl who's playing Supergirl, Sasha, um, is not going to necessarily be the Supergirl in the new Supergirl movie. What? what I, I, I'm very. Yeah. Why? Why are you giving her to me? Then, and if Flash is asking for Clark the whole time, there's I'm not getting Clark. Like, you should have just finished this out with Cavill. And how are you getting rid of Cavill? I. He was Superman, but I still don't understand. You're getting rid of him, but I still got Ezra. I, I, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't understand what DC's using. So I'm on the Marvel train, and Marvel should be hiring Cavill tomorrow to play somebody. I don't care. Make him Doctor Doom. That would be awesome. But, you know, give me a... Oh, that would be cool. Doctor Doom. Okay. I would love... So back- okay. Danielle, sorry. you're going to... I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Okay. We're back. It's okay. Uh, for, no. Yeah, she would go. This is very much like the JM episode. If I yeah, get sorry. her started on DC, this could be the entire episode of her going off right. about DC. And it would be a sorry. four hour episode of her just ranting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But here's my final question before shameless self-promotion time, PC. Who would you cast as your lead characters in your, um, if they made a movie of your book? So the characters... 
the actors I used for like the celebrity lookalikes for when I was trying to get like facial expressions and stuff. Um, so Elise would be played by Rutina Wesley. Um, Rick, who's the main bad guy antagonist, would be played by Idris Elba. Um, Phil, who is an alien, so she would be like CGI or in pretty heavy like makeup costume, would be a I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, so I apologize. She's listening, uh, but Fortune Feimster. Um, she's a comedian. She's an mm-hmm. actress. She's been a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Really funny. Um, ben, who's the roguish, like jackass. Um, that would either be Jake Johnson or Aziz Ansari. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And uh, the main character of book two would be uh aquafina and oh yeah and amanda that everyone loves who's in books one and two and is going to be the main character book three that'd be a judy reyes she was in scrubs she was carly scrubs Scrubs. oh yeah yeah yeah. very cool look at you already had that nailed down i feel like you had that written down as well okay shameless (laughs) self-promotion time my friend where do people find you in your books so you can find my website, authorpcnottingham.com. You can find me on the Twitter, Nottingham-BC, on Instagram, PC Nottingham. I'm on Facebook, too. Um, you can find my debut novel, Mummified Moon, uh, wherever fine books are sold. Um, and it's published by Four Horsemen Publications. And it's a series called? Yeah. Earthquake War. Yeah, yeah book, one. book two is coming soon. So people need to know they can yes. get very invested in this characters. Yes, so. Earthquake War 2 should be available in September, according to the schedule. So look for it in the fall. Very, very cool. Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast with us. And yeah, thank you for having me. DC rant of micro proportions. So, <laughs> <It's all right>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, it's wonderful having you. Guys, this has been Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition. I have been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host is the amazing Danielle Orsino. Our guest has been PC Nottingham. And we, oh, don't forget to like and review and subscribe. I swear it's even in front of me and I don't remember it. Um, you too and got we'll it. see you guys next time. <laughs>